This is episode 61 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are 10 Deadly Mistakes That New Gun Owners Make, Study Expired EpiPens Still Effective, and Prepping on a Budget Part 1. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Let's go ahead and get started. Our first article comes to us from AskAPrepper.com. And it's 10, again, the, the name of the article is 10 Deadly Mistakes That New Gun Owners Make. And I know in the preparedness community, you know, when we talk about, uh, th- there's going to be two articles that refer to new preppers in um uh, new preppers or you know, new gun owners or whatever uh, on the email list. You know, one of the things that I send out on the the verification email is uh, if you would like to submit uh, your answers to a quick little survey. And one of the, the the answer or one of the questions is how long have you been prepping? And uh, those who have answered it, we're pretty much equally split between those who have been prepping five years and and above, and those who have been prepping. Uh, below five years. Uh, there are a lot that have been prepping between the, the zero and two year mark. Uh, but so there are a lot of uh, newbies out there uh, learning and, and growing. And that's one reason why you know we have the Facebook page. We want to be able to help people out there grow in their, in their preparedness. And, and uh, I love it when people come in and they offer uh, advice and they're putting questions out there. So I really do appreciate that. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, in the preparedness community, because people realize that defense is, was one of the important things, uh, this is a good article to, to take into account. So uh, I believe this is written by uh, an NRA firearms instructor. So let's go ahead and re- read this one. Purchasing a firearm is a big step in someone's life. If you've never owned a firearm, this is a major, even life-changing event. New gun owners tend to make a few mistakes. I know this as a concealed carry instructor and I see new shooters at my course all the time. Here are the top 10 mistakes I see new gun owners make the most. Number 1. Using a cheap holster or sling. This is the worst. I understand being on a budget, but a cheaper gun holster can be dangerous in a multitude of ways. A cheap nylon holster that is designed to be universal, universal is a very poor option for carrying a gun. The same goes for some Chinese-made nylon sling that proclaims itself tactical. Both can be dangerous and unreliable. A poor holster offers horrid retention and can be downright dangerous when it comes to carry a firearm concealed. It accidentally coming out it accidentally coming out is a major issue. Let's not forget the potential for the holster's material getting inside the trigger guard and pulling the trigger. A poorly made sling may be cheap, but is likely to break with chinesium bending and cheap materials tearing and fraying. My suggestion for a quality budget option, the Blue Force Gear Vickers sling and an Alien Gear holster are both affordable and quality pieces of gear. Number two, getting a light trigger job. If you are a sports shooter, then a light trigger can be very beneficial to you. For self-defense, though, a light trigger isn't always the best option. In a stressful situation, too light of a trigger may cause you to have a negligent discharge. Secondly, a light trigger means you've changed the gun from stock. The gun is proven to work with stock parts. Is it proven to work with a trigger job? Is the trigger reliable? Did competent gunsmith install it? 
If not, you're, you may face reliability issues as well. A half-pound AR-15 trigger is not a good option for a home defense rifle. Number three, trying to replace skill with accessories. No matter how many doodads or gizmos you attach to your rifle, handgun, or shotgun, you won't be a better shooter. You are likely making your weapon heavier and doing nothing to make you better. A good shot is going to be a good shot regardless of accessories. The only way to buy skill is to buy training and hitting the range. Number four, forgetting or not learning the fundamentals. You always fall back to the lowest level of training you have mastered, and that should be the fundamentals. Again, let me read that again, uh, that sentence, because the key word there is mastered. So you always fall back to the lowest level of training you have mastered, and that should be the fundamentals. Learning the fundamentals is the necessary building block to becoming a better shooter. Shooting fundamentals are divided into proper sight picture, sight alignment, breath control, trigger pull, grip, stance, and follow through. Mastering these fundamentals seems boring, but is the key to success when it comes to safely handling guns. Number five, not securing firearms. Buying a firearm isn't just buying a gun. There should be room in the budget for ammo, a holster, or sling, and a way to secure it. It doesn't have to be a full-on safe, but at the very least, a lock that goes through the action. This doesn't prevent theft, but keeps anyone from easily accessing the gun. If a gun is not in your direct control, it needs to be secured in some manner. But uh, be it a safe, a lock, or completely disassembled. So let me uh, just comment. There's going to be some people that are going to that are listening to this and in the preparedness community that are probably going to uh, you know, have a problem with this. You know, putting the safety or putting that uh, uh, lock through the the trigger or the, the action, or at least you know to being able to uh, to cause it to not. Uh, if you needed your gun to be having to unlock it and you know all that kind of stuff. So there's going to be a lot of people that have a problem with that because in your home, uh, you know, you want to have easy access to it to protect yourself. I think the key here is um, if a gun is not in your direct control, it needs to be secured in some manner. So I think that's the key right there uh, in this paragraph when we're looking at this number, you know, or number five, not securing a firearm. So let's continue on. Number six, not understanding ammunition types. There are wide varieties of different forms of ammunition for different purposes. Using a type of ammunition outside of its purpose can be dangerous. Self-defense firearms should be loaded with self-defense ammunition. Good hollow or soft point ammunition it, it prevents over-penetration. A full metal jacket load will zip through a target and have the potential to harm others. Hollow point, frangible, and soft point ammunition is less likely to over-penetrate and harm others. Number seven. Buying the wrong firearm. So to be clear, there is no objective wrong firearm. However, there is wrong firearms for certain purposes and certain people. For concealed carry, your best bet isn't going to be a Smith & Wesson 500 Magnum revolver. In some cases, a person with reduced hand strength or arthritis may be served better by a revolver than an automatic if they can't effectively rack the slide. At the same time, a 12-gauge shotgun is great for home defense, but smaller people may have trouble handling it. Buy a gun that fits your purpose, your skill level, and your physical needs. Never go too big. That's dangerous. If you can't handle a particular firearm effectively, then you can't handle it safely. And I would also say, uh, if you are helping a woman buy, uh, buy a handgun, please, please take them, take them out to the range and let them shoot a couple of different 
uh, you know, types. I know several women who have, uh, you know, recently purchased their CHL or have their CHL and they went out and recently purchased a firearm and because of the size of their hand, uh, naturally gravitated to the smaller 380 and it was just too much of a bang for them. And uh, as a result, they don't use it, they don't carry it, you know, it, it be, it's so uh, hard to control for them, it's kind of scary. And so the, I think the best thing anyone can do if they're helping someone with a firearm is to take them to a range and, and give them, uh, you know, several options to choose from and see, you know, what feels the best and, and what they can control. Uh, if you don't have someone who has different types of firearms that you can, you know, that they can take you to the firing range or, um, you know, if you don't have when you're trying to help someone, you know, there are uh, many shooting ranges out there that have... Uh, that you can, you know, rent guns from and that will walk you through. Or even if you were to go approach someone for some basic training and say, I'd like to try several different type of, of uh, firearms. I haven't decided which one I want yet. I think that would be very, very beneficial. I think it would save a lot of money and uh, make uh, the experience so much better. And then uh, the people going through their CHL and stuff, and, you know, if, if it's a woman going through their CHL, uh, then they have a more tendency to carry a firearm uh, because they feel comfortable with it. All right, number eight, relying on a manual safety. A manual safety is designed as a secondary mechanical safety. The primary safety is the six to eight inches between your ears. Your brain and ability to be a safe gun handler is way more important than any manual safety. Manual safeties can and do fail. Ask Remington about their Model 700 safety. It may be comforting to have a firearm with a manual safety, but do not simply depend on that safety to keep your firearm safe. Number nine, forgetting to maintain the gun. A gun doesn't need to be cleaned each and every day of the week, even a carry gun. However, guns need to be cleaned on occasion, not only when they've been fired, but when they've been exposed to the elements. This is especially true for concealed carry guns who may be exposed to sweat or pocket lint. I clean a gun exposed to the world at least once a month if concealed carry. A dirty and rusty gun that goes click when you need it most is seriously dangerous. Number 10. Not memorizing the four safety rules. The four gun safety rules always apply. During my time in the military, before every range, we recited the four safety rules. To this day, they are scorched into my memory. I end the article with these four safety rules to get the point across as best I can. If you follow these rules, you'll be safe with each and every firearm. These four rules were written by gun guru Jeff Cooper. Number one, or I'm just going to go ahead and read them. They're, they're, not, they're bulleted, not numbered. All guns are always loaded. Never let the muzzle cover anything you are not willing to destroy. Keep your finger off the trigger till your sights are on the target. Identify your target and what is behind it. Never shoot at anything that you have not positively identified. All right. So there's some comments. And the comments are mostly about spelling errors and grammatical errors in the article. And there are some. A lot of the times when I'm read, if I stumble, it's because I'm uh, fixing... Uh, or kind of fixing uh, some kind of error as as I'm going, and I try to I try to read it as I think maybe the author was trying to uh, you know relate it 
uh, in their article. But you know, I know how it goes when you're when you're writing, and then sometimes you uh, you know you go back and you change something, and then you don't always reread it very carefully, or you know what you want to say. And, and so I totally understand that. And people are like, "Hey, you should have somebody reread your art, you know, read your article." Like, That's just not always possible when you're doing a. Uh, when you're doing a blog, you know, when you're when you have someone you know, to go read it every single time. Um, this was a guest post, so um, you know maybe there could have been a little bit better uh, focus on that. But uh, I, I think somebody said in the comments here, um, you know, focus on 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 the message. And I think there are some good points here that need to be made. And uh, if you're new to firearms or you're thinking about it, some you know definitely definitely some things to really consider before you go out there. There are some links in the article, so go check that out at askaprepper.com. Next one comes to you us from my favorite people out there in the preparedness uh, community, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy uh, at doomandbloom.net, and this is one that. Um, you know, being in being that I used to be on a campus, I know my school nurse would always. Uh, at the end of the year, they would contact all the parents, and the parents would have to come up and pick up, uh, you know, prescriptions and epipens and all that kind of stuff. And people that didn't, they would just throw them away uh, because that's what she was required to do by by law and by the by the district. Um, it was kind of sad, you know, when you see things like an epipen being thrown away, especially if a you know if a parent thinks it's like, well, it's been a year, it's been expired, you know, go ahead and just chunk it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to buy a new one anyway. Um, but this is a, an important article because uh, Dr. Bones is uh, citing a study uh, from California, um, and I'll get to that in just a minute, where uh, they realize that expired EpiPens are still effective. And, uh, of course, that's something that many of us always knew about the different prescription medications that are out there. But EpiPens, you know, when you think about using an EpiPen, you're using that. That's a very, very serious thing, right? Um, and so... When you think about that, you, you don't want to skimp on that. So reading this article, uh, having this information, I think is important to kind of have that EpiPen. And maybe if you're one of those people that, hey, you know what, my insurance covers you know almost all of it. Uh, there are people out there who might need you know an EpiPen even if it's expired. I know it's really expensive for us. I've talked about it before that you know later in life my wife became allergic to shrimp and then it's kind of gone into all kind of food, all seafood now. And uh, so there's been times before where, you know, we needed something, uh, not to the point of an EpiPen, but definitely Benadryl uh, and having some Benadryl on hand. Uh, and so you definitely something to, uh, to consider and to, and to have. So if you have an EpiPen, again, um, if it's something like, you know, you know that you're going to get another one you, you're on a regular basis or whatever, because if you keep them, maybe there might be somebody you can give them to, or you just keep them because, you, you know, you need them. Um, let's go ahead and get into, I'm rambling, but let's go ahead and get into this article here, um, and hopefully this will help some people out there. Um, the title is, again, Study, Expired EpiPen Still Effective. An expiration date is defined as the last day that a medicine is warranted to be safe and effective when stored properly. I've written for years that this, is, that this date is often arbitrarily determined and that the idea all medicines somehow spoil very soon after their expiration date is incorrect. I'm not alone in this opinion. A new study now reports that an important medical product that prevents deaths from severe allergic reactions, also called anaphylaxis, can still be used effectively years after the expiration date on the package. 
The California Poison Control System in San Diego tested 40 unused expired EpiPens and found that all, yes, all of them retained at least 80% active epinephrine, the main ingredient. This was true even for EpiPens that closed in on the four-year expired mark. The least potent device was found to be at 81%, 30 months past its expiration date. Most were at 90% or above. EpiPens are expensive items that are sometimes in short supply. F. Lee Contrell, lead researcher of the California study, concludes that those unable to replace the product should hold on to it for use past the expiration date. There's, and this is a quote, there's still a dose that would be therapeutic in there, Control also said. Quote, if an expired EpiPen is all that I have, I would use it. He suggests that it might be appropriate for the FDA and Mylan, the company that distributes EpiPens, to consider adjusting the expiration dates. Currently, the drug expires 12 to 18 months from the date of manufacture. I can almost guarantee you that Mylan is not going to change their uh their dates on their expiration but still uh good try there good good researcher there uh, uh, mr contrail continuing on of course in normal times the recommendation is to replace expired epipens this new information however is of use to those who cannot afford to replace epipens often and also to those in the preparedness community who store medical items in case of disaster The recommendation given by the California Poison Control System is a rare departure from standard conventional medical wisdom, which states that drugs should be disposed of as soon as they become expired. However, even the Department of Defense has determined that many medicines are 100% effective and safe to use even if expired. This data can be found in the July 2006 issue of the Journal of Pharmaceutical Sciences. The Shelf Life Extension Program, or SLEP, which initially evaluated 122 drugs commonly stored for use in peacetime disasters, determined that most drugs in pill or capsule form were therapeutically effective for 2 to 10 years beyond the written expiration date. This led to the government issuing emergency use authorizations for various expired medicines when a shortage occurred. One example was the antiviral drug Tamiflu. During the 2009 swine flu epidemic, existing supplies of Tamiflu were authorized for use up to five years after the expiration date. Drugs in liquid form did not fare as well in SLEP studies, which makes the EpiPen, which uses a liquid solution of epinephrine, data so interesting. Granted, 100% potency would have been better, but 80-90% would still have a beneficial effect on an allergic reaction. Given the 2016 Mylan scandal where the company increased the price from about $100 per two-pack to $600, an extended shelf life would be welcome news. Mylan recently released a generic version for $300 per two-pack. It should be noted that potency of a drug is affected by storage conditions. Most medicines should be stored in dry, cool, dark conditions. Allowing EpiPens to be exposed to high heat or freezing could adversely affect effectiveness. Many physicians are greeting the study's findings skeptically, but I consider it more evidence that expiration dates are sometimes artificially determined and that those storing medications for use in disaster settings might get more longevity out of their supply than expected. Get fresh medicine if available, but think twice before throwing out your last EpiPen. Sometimes something is better than nothing. All right, so that's uh, Dr. Joe Alton, Dr. Bones over at doomandbloom.net. And if you want to look at that uh, study, I know that study is cited very often. I know uh, uh, 
Dr. Bones does it pretty often. That Journal of Pharmaceutical Studies in July 2006. Um, you can go check it out. This, that Shelf Life Extension Program. Uh, go check that out and see. Um, you know, you can read on a little bit about it because there's so many. There's still so much disinformation out there. You know, and so people are like. For some reason, they believe that, you know, something expires, you know, January 5th, you know, January 6th, it's going to be totally bad. All, something all of a sudden just happens, and that's not, not true at all. If people would just use their head a little bit, uh, that's something to um, something to consider. So go check that out at doomandbloom.net. Hey, uh, before I read the last one, I wanted to just very briefly mention, uh, if you've been keeping your eyes on the news, I, I sent this out. Uh, in the email, uh, my mon Monday morning email uh, or Monday email that I send out from uh, the new Prepper website email email list uh, about the WannaCry ransomware malware virus that's out there. Um, it looks like uh, you know it it did infect a lot of different businesses, and it's re it was really uh, affecting. There was a, a vulnerability in old Windows machines, like Windows XP in 2000. Um, you know those those Windows machines. You know Windows 7 and 10 aren't affected right now, um, but it was if if you go online and you just do a little search. I mean it it, it wasn't just you know, a spot thing. I mean, it was infecting a lot of businesses, big businesses in Europe, uh, a lot of businesses in Europe, and even FedEx here in the United States, it affected it. And so I uh, read, some, read some things out there uh, this, this weekend that uh, could be concerning. Uh, and so that's one thing that I sent out to my, uh, to my newsletter followers. Hopefully you're on the newsletter. You'll get that. Uh, but uh, one of the things on Friday that was taken care of, a 22-year-old guy uh, found a way to go ahead and, and stop the spread of that, of uh, WannaCry. But already over the weekend, they've realized that there's another version of it that's starting to go out and be sent out, uh, 2.0, that does not have a kill switch. And so that could be, you know, uh, that could be... Uh, something of a concern so you know not not to not to be fearful not to freak out but you know something that you should be paying attention uh on out there you know looking at the alternative media i know that if i find something i'll post it on prepper website uh, i did send out two articles in my newsletter that that went out because i think it's it's uh it's something that we should be keeping an eye on uh and i'll keep monitoring it as well but uh you don't want it to affect uh, and you would think that you know these these businesses should be up to date. If they would have just updated in March, uh, like Microsoft sent out the update, uh, if they would have just updated in March, they wouldn't even have this issue. But so many people don't, and you know we give our information to so many businesses online and everything is online right now and you know these companies aren't even doing uh, the minimum of keeping up to date they're you know they've, they're still running on windows xp machines and i loved windows xp i think windows xp was one of the the best operating systems i hated that they that they moved on and I, I went kicking and screaming uh, on that one, but eventually, when they weren't, Microsoft wasn't supporting it anymore. I, I, I knew I needed to go ahead and jump to uh, to Windows 7, and um, I finally just made the the convert while well, at work because of, uh, I jumped to Windows 10. 
and I do like it, but uh, it's still, you know, when you get comfortable working with uh, an operating system, you know you don't want to to jump. And so these hackers are are expecting that. And it's very, very apparent that there's a lot of businesses out there that aren't updating their 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 Windows machines or their their software and making it very, very easy. So um, the reason this uh, exploit is even out there is because uh, a group, Shadow uh, Hackers, I, I believe, um, they uh, grabbed the information. It was a release from uh, you know the NSA or whatever, and uh, the NSA had been using this to access um, access machines. And so now it's out there, and these vulnerabilities can be used by you know anybody out there. So it's, again, something to be uh, on the lookout for. And you know, we we say all the time, be careful what you do online. Uh, but you know, you could be giving your information to the utility company. There's a utility company in Europe that was hit, right? And so um, you know, they were affected. And and who knows what you know? You're affecting a, a, a sewage treatment plant. And you're able to go in there, and they don't pay the ransom, and then files are deleted, and then that, that uh, sewage treatment plant has to shut down because their computers aren't running correctly, or or whatever it might be. Just think about the impact of that. So, just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that before I move forward. I was going to do it at the very beginning, and I forgot. Uh, but uh, something to something to just be on another thing, right? To be on the lookout for uh, monitoring. Uh, out there. So anyway, uh, let's continue on. Don't want to ramble, but uh, I think it's something important. Our uh, last article comes to us from Survival Blog, and you, again, I said earlier this was a. Uh, uh, there was two articles for for newbies, and, and this one is prepping on a budget, part one by the newbie, and uh, I think you know being on a budget. I think we all can uh, totally understand you know that and come from that standpoint of you know, saving money and not wanting to spend, uh, you know, all our hard-earned money because we have so many other things that we need to um, to take care of uh, in in life. But definitely uh, because we understand that prepping is so important, we want to prep on a budget and we want to be smart about it. So uh, let's go ahead and read this one. i got two things I want to say after it. Uh, maybe it might help you save a little bit of money uh, when, you, uh, when you're out there. All right, so this comes to us from survivalblog.com, Prepping on a Budget Part 1. It's good to prep on a budget as economic collapse is coming. I believe many people are new to emergency preparedness. It is hard enough to come up with the funds to get a good start of just having enough food for your family and yourself. That's a lot without all the things you need for a bug out bag, cash, and all the tools to be self-sufficient. We, we would need a homestead and a thousand other things if we were without modern conveniences and technology. We take so much for granted, including that we can just run to pick things up at the grocery store. For those of us newer to prepping, preparing is all quite overwhelming. The economic collapse isn't like a possible Y2K thing. It is on 100% for sure going to happen. The question is when. It's going to start when our debt clock hits $20 trillion. Forecasters have more firmly established the date as 2021. This means we are running out of time. We don't have to just worry about the dollar being worthless. We need to realize we could very well face hyperinflation. So being prepared, even if order is kept, is critical. Okay, so I don't normally like to put dates on anything. Um, I think we've already hit 20 trillion, if I'm not mistaken. 
So I don't like to put dates on anything because there's been so many, you know, in preparedness and even in the religious realm where uh, people have put dates in, of course, that that doesn't ever work. So, uh, yeah, if if everything continues on the path that it's going, eventually, um, yeah, we're going to we're going to have so much debt that we're not going to be able to take care of it and things will collapse. I'm just not ready to put a date on it yet. But continuing on, my friends on social media include Globalist, which is a story for a different day. They have interest in IMF. Let's just say central banking cycles were never meant to last forever. 125 years is the norm. When first planned in 1964, our reset was intended for this year. However, our debt wasn't quite high enough to trigger what needs to happen for the dominoes to start falling. When this was first planned, that wasn't part of the equation. As far as how much money was to be printed for our central banking cycle, it ended in 2014. If they lift the QE, inflation would be 643%. If you haven't been serious in prepping food stores, start now. So uh, there kind of sounds a little conspiratorial there. I would love to get some more information on that because I, I love to read a good conspiracy story. Not that you know I always believe it. I just like to read it. Um, so I would be interested. Hopefully, this person uh, writes in the future about uh, about all, you know what their friends are telling them. Maybe. <laughs> all right. Continuing continuing on. Free things on Craigslist. I keep seeing all these acronyms and fantastic ideas. However, many of these things seem expensive. I've come up with a lot of ways to do things on a budget and to be prepared with a small budget. I will add things as I go. Don't be afraid to check the free section on Craigslist. I went through it today. If I were stronger, I would have rented a U-Haul. There is a man in our area who needs to move and is giving away a wood chipper, a generator, 55-gallon barrels, fire hoses, and a ton of tools. He is moving and has come and take, take all or get nothing policy. I couldn't believe all the things people are just giving away. Bricks, firewood, and kitchen cabinets were plentiful in our area. Food storage is a must when preparing. Food Saver sells refurbished units when they have them in stock for around $68 for the two-in-one unit. Plus, it comes with all the accessories it would if, bought, if you bought it new. Their Fresh Bucks program is worthwhile. They also give free containers with any purchase over $99. The Food Saver can be used to draw air out from many space bags for bug-out bags, Take the roll out of the middle of toilet paper and suck the air out. You have a couple of rolls without taking up much space. Store larger items in a cache, a medium-sized space bag. Depending on the size of your bug-out bag, they would work for that too. I've used these for years for seasonal bedding to save space. Amazon prices for Mylar bags and oxygen absorbers are still the best I've found. Remember to use the links from Survival Blog so they get the small commission to be able to run the website free to us. I would not have learned half of what I know now if it weren't for this website. Thank you. I also appreciate that we are told this is the case with this website. It is the case for any of them with links. They just don't bother to tell us. I can't even express the gratitude I feel for all the good information found on this website. That is very true. There's many websites uh, like Prepper website, so many out there that um, have Amazon links. And when you purchase uh, from their Amazon 
uh, link that you know they get a small little commission and that's you know Amazon has changed a little bit I know that a lot of websites out there got hit and so people that are depending on those that income for you know their main income um, you know they got hit pretty bad badly recently with the changes in Amazon but uh, it's all it's always a blessing when you uh, you know you get, you get a little bit of commission so whatever you buy so if you go and you uh, you click on a link for mylar bags and O2 absorbers and you buy something else um, they still whichever website you go through they still get that little blessing so um, you know support the websites that you that you hit on, on a regular basis uh, like survival blog and all the other blogs that are out there I know I know they really appreciate that Continu- continuing on uh, the best deals I have found on Amazon with food is a 14-pound pail of Augustan Farms honey-coated dehydrated bananas for around $32.99, and their price for the same brand of number 10 cans of powdered milk and eggs for $12.66 each are good prices. Every once in a while, they will run a sale that must be a loss leader for $3.99 for blueberry pancake mix. It goes between that and $17.99, so it is quite the difference. Grab a few when you see this because it will go up. I didn't realize it was such a bargain when I first saw it, so I didn't grab it at the time. It is already packaged for long-term storage. The bananas are in a six-gallon bucket. I've never seen dehydrated fruit for anywhere near this price. It is more than twice the price for anything dehydrated in their six-gallon buckets. I kind of overspent on those. I was new to Amazon and didn't realize it switched to another seller when I hit the order button. It was $25 more. So um, $32 or $32.99 for a six-gallon bucket of dehydrated bananas, that's pretty good. Uh, and then the $3.99 for the blueberry pancake mix that's already prepared for long ter- long-term food storage, that's a good deal as well. So uh, some good advice here. If you're like me and make lists or leave things in your shopping cart, make sure and check the price. The prices can really fluctuate between sellers or even the same seller. I had a 55-gallon water storage tank on my list. It was the same seller but went from 156 to 104 within a couple of weeks. Amazon is also unbeatable for choices in finding unusual or hard-to-find items in one place. Hey, I would say that that is a strategy that some people employ, that they put stuff in their, um, in their, uh, their cart and kind of just leave it there. And uh, every once in a while, you'll get an email from Amazon. Hey, something in your cart has, you know, changed price. And sometimes it goes up, sometimes it lowers down. But uh, that is something if you're just kind of waiting on the price and you can wait, you feel you can wait, uh, you know, you can do that. Amazon's reviews are a great place to find answers to questions. However, I find this website, Survival Blog, and books better for reviews about which brands of weapons and knives are better. I seriously doubt anyone on Amazon reviewing a $15 survival knife that was made in China ever had to use them in an honest-to-goodness survival situation or a fight for their lives. I will listen to the experts on this. By expert, I mean the men and women who've seen combat, not the experts trained by vendors or at a stop sporting goods store. For some things, I believe you get what you pay for and you shouldn't skimp. It is one thing to get the best price on beans and rice or the same brands of quality foods. But don't skip on the tools that could save your life or that will break when you are simply pruning a few branches from trees in your yard. If you have $20 to spend at the dollar store, you can do a lot more than you think with that. Many people have a lot of the things they need just laying around the house. If you live in a rural area like a lot of people who visit this site regularly, there are some things going on you may not be aware of. People know about Amazon, but they don't know about Google Express. 
So if you live a long way from a Costco, you can now order from them online, along with a few other stores like Walgreens and Whole Foods. The two latter stores aren't really for those who are budget-oriented, but it certainly has a convenience factor. You can also order online from the Dollar Tree, but you have to buy a case. A case usually consists 24 to 36 pieces for things like petroleum jelly, two packs of antibacterial soap, or hand sanitizer. Google Express isn't feasible for everyone, but if it works for you, a case or two of basic items like hand sanitizer, petroleum jelly, or the two packs of antibacterial soap might be worth purchasing. They also recently began to carry a three-pack of sensitive skin dial soap that is irritant and fragrance-free. This soap, which from reading, appears to be beneficial if you don't want strong fragrances. However, the downside is that it isn't antibacterial. And just FYI, FYI, antibacterial isn't all that it's cracked up to be. I think a lot of people are saying now they would rather not use antibacterial soap. With Google Express, you can pay a yearly fee or just pay a flat $4.99 for each order over $35. The yearly fee is $95. The service is newer, so there are coupons everywhere. It isn't available everywhere yet. However, you can punch in your zip code to see when it will be available and which stores participate in your area. There is a uh, refer a friend for a $10 coupon that you both receive. Some of the prices at Costco are unbeatable, especially for those of us who buy in bulk. If you have a business, you can also order from their business center and have it shipped. If you live close to one and just have a membership, you can still purchase from them. They just don't deliver to residential addresses. Additionally, the prices reflect the shipping increase, so it is worth a trip to one even if it is a few hours away. So there's a couple of uh, uh, links. Well, there's links in the uh, in the article and then links to other, to other uh, prepping on a budget articles that you can read. And then uh, recently, I mean, I don't know how recent it was, um, Survival Blog started allowing comments. Um, and so I guess I never scroll down because normally, you know, I get to the part where it says Survival Blog Writing Contest. And uh, I just stop there and, I, you know, move on from there. But uh, when you scroll down, there is a comment section there. And so um, they started allowing comments uh, there so that people can communicate and, and talk and share different items. So after reading this article, I didn't even know about Google Express, right? So I went and uh, typed in Google Express and typed in my zip code. And, um, you know, there's quite a bit here. I mean, I live in Houston. So, uh, you know, you got Costco, you got the Google Store, Pier 1, Fry's Electronics, the 99 cent store, uh, Bye Bye Baby, I guess that's a baby store, Toys R Us, Treasure Island Food, never heard of them, Walgreens, Whole Food, Bed Bath & Beyond, Gordon's Ace, Guitar Center, Kohl's, that's, you know, if uh, that's, uh, sells clothes and stuff. A couple here that I don't, I've never even heard of. Octane, Moose, uh, Moose Jaw, I think. It's, uh, writing is so small. Uh, Payless, PetSmart, um, Roadrunner Sports, and the Wayfair. <clears throat> so there's a lot of different uh, things here. So when you click, when you start scrolling down, um, like you'll hit Costco. Uh, I guess Costco is one of their big ones. And immediately you see the things that are on sale, right? So you see the sell price, and you can, uh, you know, go over to the right and click on uh, to see more and see more sell prices. So that might be something beneficial. As you scroll down, the different stores start popping up, and the things that are on sale, you can see that. So I can see where um, that's going to be, um, you know, something that uh, is going to be uh, very possible to be 
to save money for preppers out there. Uh, I'm looking at, it wasn't 99 cent store. I'm sorry, I'm kind of fumbling on my words. It wasn't 99 cent store. It's 99 ranch market. So sorry about that. Um, so there are, it looks like there's some Vietnamese, uh, Asian foods here uh, on that one. So everyone's probably going to have different um, different stores depending on your zip code, but go check that out. So one of the other things that I wanted to say is there is an extension. I use the Google uh, Chrome web browser, and uh, there is an extension. You can add extensions to it. Uh, one of them is called Honey, uh, and I and I'm so sad I didn't uh, find this out earlier. Uh, but it's Honey. It's H-O-N-E-Y. You go to the extension uh, to add an extension, and you find it and you plug it in. And what it is is when you go to w websites where you can purchase things. Uh, Honey kind of like activates and it will search the internet for coupon codes. So like when you go to a cart section uh, and you're ready to check out, it will ask you, would you like, would uh, you like Honey to check if there's any coupon codes or deals? Man, I have saved some money doing that. Uh, I, you know, I figured, okay, maybe, you know, a few bucks here and there. Uh, I bought for the church uh, some cards, some invitation cards. Uh, to, so that you know, people in the congregation could give a, give out, invite people, and they're really nice. I mean, Vistaprint does a good job. You can go and make it, you know, configure it any way you want. And so when I went to go uh, check out, um, Honey popped up, and I said, "Yeah, sure, let's see what happens." And then I saved over forty five percent. I was like, "Whoa, that was a big, big savings on on something like that." There's been other things on websites. Uh, if you're you know if you're interested in starting a website, I did it with. Um, with uh, GoDaddy, and I saved, listen to this, 85% on a website and hosting uh, when I started Prepper, uh, the Prepper website podcast.com. And so I was totally blown away by that. Uh, so if you're interested in doing that, uh, now's the time to get to do it. And so you'll, you know, I don't know if it will work when I go to renew, um, but you know, starting out, it was a big, big savings. And so it, there's all kinds of stores that are linked into this. And so it just goes and searches the internet and applies the one that will save you the most money. If you go to Amazon, there will be a little, it, it won't tell you what's, you know, the best price or whatever uh, as far as uh, going somewhere else, but it will tell you that uh, you're getting the best price on Amazon a lot of the times. And, um, uh, so you can, if you use that there, you can, if, if you're not getting the best price for that item, you can continue searching Amazon to find the best price for the item that you're looking for. So that's a, that's a really helpful extension. It's called Honey, uh, and that's going to only work in Google, or at least I, I don't know if there's if extensions that work in any of the other browsers, but I use Google Chrome, and so it works in Google Chrome, and it just, you know, you, you have it on, and it automatically just kind of, uh, when you're checking out somewhere. Um, and so I think that's beneficial if you're looking to save some money in other places there. Uh, man, if you have any other ideas out there, like I said, I did never heard of Google Express. If you've heard of some things, maybe share them. Come to the website and drop them in the comments section of uh, episode 61. Um, and if uh, if you do, I'll share that in in the coming in the coming episodes uh, with you know with uh, the rest of the preparedness community. Or definitely, if you're on the Facebook group and uh, you know other ways, other uh, online ways to save money, you know, do that. It's always come drop it in the Facebook group. It's always beneficial to share that information. I know people will appreciate that. All right, that's it for episode 61. 
Hey, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.